Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. As you may know, I am not Pastor Tyrone. Uh, my name is Andrew. I am the youth guy here, uh, as I like to call myself. I think my official role is like youth director, but I prefer youth guy. Uh, it helps me stay young as I get old. Um, so you've heard of like people trying to find um, the, the fountain of youth. There it is. Clicked. Um, I found it. It's in youth ministry. So if you want to serve in youth ministry, this is a shameless plug. Talk to me after service. I'd love to get you plugged in because youth's fun. So, and if you want to be fun and stay young, hit me up. Just saying. All right. So we are in week number three of this series, Winning the War in Your Mind, uh, based off of the incredible book um, by one very big bicep man, Craig Groeschel. Um, I only say that because there's a card in a card game called Cards Christians Like that talks about Craig Rochelle's big biceps. But I wish I had a picture of him that I could put on the screen right now to show you his big biceps. But <laughs> just to recap, um, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, like John Mark said, we are in family month. February is family month. We love to celebrate. We've done some cool stuff already. We had an escape room challenge go down here. Uh, last week was Super Sports Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And we played some cool games. There was some big football game on too, but um, there were some cool commercials and other things for, for those of you that maybe didn't like football. Um, and today is Carnival Sunday. We've got so much fun out there. There's an obstacle course, inflatables for uh, little kids as well. Uh, there's going to be free food and drinks afterwards, so feel free to stay after and, and celebrate with us as we just have fun being a community. And so to recap the last couple of weeks, week one John Mark talked about the replacement principle, which is uh, when he challenged us to identify the lie, remove the lie, and replace it with the truth. Week two, last week, Tyrone had the renew principle, or as the book calls it, the rewire principle. And it speaks to how God renews our mind, and when he does that, our life is transformed. And Tyrone last week challenged us to write it, think it, and confess it. So find the scripture, the truth, write it out, think it, and then confess it. As Pastor Amy talked about with the declarations. Do you guys do that this week? This isn't a test. If you didn't, that's okay. I encourage you to try this week to do that and just watch how your life changes. Because it's important to declare that not only over yourself, but over your family as well. And so today I have the privilege to talk about 
the reframe principle. Um, reframing the past and pre-framing the future, um, specifically with defeating negative thoughts. You don't have to raise your hand, but I will raise my hand. Anybody have negative thoughts? I do. Um, I, it was actually really funny that I got to talk about this because I really struggle with this. Um, fortunately, I have an amazing fiance that helps um, keep me positive because my mind is just rewise, just wired, those pathways just go negative for whatever reason. Um, but with the help of the Lord and the help of my amazing fiance, another shameless plug, um, the Lord has been able to help me rewire those negative pathways. And so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse number three. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Demolish strongholds. Not just like break away, but demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Because the truth is, if you want to change your life, you have to change your thinking. You can't live a positive life with a negative mind. Trust me, tried it. Does not work. The mind is a battlefield, and most of life's battles are either won or lost in the mind. And as I was praying this morning about kind of what the Lord wanted to stir, I just feel like this is, is for everybody here, everybody listening online, that the voice that you listen to the most has the most power in your life. And I pray that if you get nothing else from this today, that you would have Jesus be the loudest voice in your life over yourself, over your self-doubt, over your self-criticalness, or even your pride. We can go the other way even the good things, I pray that Jesus would be the most powerful voice in your life that you listen to the most. <clears throat> the life you have is often a reflection of the thoughts that you think, that whatever comes into your mind comes out into your life, that you can't have a positive life without a negative mind. So we're going to talk about lenses and filters. And some of you, when you think of filters, you think of social media. You think of all of the cool filters. I think of the first one that pops into my mind is like the dog filter, where it puts like a little dog face with the ears and like the tongue sticking out. Um, but what does that do? It changes the way the photo looks, right? And in our mind, we have defective lenses or filters, which don't allow us to see reality, but we make up our own reality with those filters. And a lie that's believed as truth will affect your life as if it was true. So if you tell yourself that you're not good enough, you're going to live your life that way because you're continuing to tell yourself that you're not good enough. And one of the, the things we're going to talk about today is cognitive bias, which is a mistake in reasoning based on personal experiences or preferences. Really cool timing. I was in therapy a couple weeks ago, and my therapist was talking to me about cognitive distortions, which cognitive distortions are a harmful way that your mind likes to think and go to places that are not good for you. One of those examples is um, I, I've gotten 
couples advice from some really amazing couples in my life. And they've told me, don't use the word always. That'll preach by itself. Don't use the word always. Don't say, you always act this way, or you always get upset when I do this. That's a cognitive, cognitive distortion. Wow, distortion. Um, that will lead you down a pathway into your negative thoughts. And so cognitive bias are default filters that are already pre-wired in your brain that interpret situations without us realizing it. There are filters that, that you have that shape how you see your life. And so an example of this is, say you're at work and your boss is having a meeting um, with two, two employees and he's giving feedback. He gives the same exact feedback to both of those employees. And the first employee says this, or the first employee views it this way. He takes it as fair, constructive criticism, says something like, man, that really helped me be a better employee, kind of see a flaw in how I've been doing my job. I really appreciate the feedback. This will help my job performance. And then employee number two is totally offended by the feedback. Is like, who is he to come in here and tell me how to do my job? Who does he think he is? You want some feedback? Oh, I'll give you some feedback, buddy. So what's the difference between the two? It's the cognitive bias. And perhaps the second person had a very demanding, insulting parent in their lives growing up, and now they see every situation with an authority figure through that lens. Because the truth is, sometimes, I would argue even maybe most times, our cognitive bias are given to us by other people or other situations that happen. We don't actually give them to ourselves. We actually just receive them from the things that we go through in our life. Because the boss gave the same exact feedback, spoke the same exact thing to both of them, but what's the difference? The facts weren't different, but the filter in which they were receiving it was different. And another good example of this is in Numbers 13 and 14, when Moses sends 12 spies out to explore the land. 12 of them went out, so gather 12 people in here, you go look at Go look at the inflatable. You'll see the same exact inflatable. But two of them came back and said it was amazing, said it was perfect, said this was what God wants us to do, wants us to go here. But somehow 10 of them came back and said, oh no, this is dangerous. The land devours people and there's giants and we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. Their filter that they were looking through, the 10, it changed their perception of how they felt. They felt like grasshoppers in comparison. It wasn't that the facts were different. It was the filter in which they were receiving it. But it's not just the filter that matters. It's also the frame. You can be in the same situation, and how you frame something determines how you see it. And so we're going to talk about reframing. Uh, reframing is creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning. And <clears throat> an example of this is, say you wake up in the morning and you're like, today's gonna be a hard day. I got a 6.30 a.m. meeting, that's early for me, so if you get up earlier than that, praise God, you're amazing. Um, I gotta go to this dumb meeting with these employees that are the worst. 
I got to drive my 2006 Toyota Highlander that has 270,000 miles on it. Thing is going to blow up. Like, just sick, sick of my car, sick of this. How do you think your day is going to go? Probably pretty bad. Definitely really bad. <laughs> but if you take the same exact day, but you reframe it with being thankful for a job, saying, oh, man, I woke up today. Maybe just start there. Thank you, Lord, for, for breath in my lungs that I'm, I'm still here another day. Thankful to eat breakfast. Thankful to brush my teeth. Thankful that I get to go to a, a job that I can support and provide for my family and a car that can get me there. Like, I don't know if you've never had a, like, if you've been without a car as, as like an adult, it's the worst. Like, it's hard. Like, those of you that are here that don't have cars, you get extra points, like, in heaven from, from me. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. But, like, it's challenging. Like, it is, it is a lot. But we have to reframe it in order to change it. Because it's not the facts that have changed. It's still the same meeting, still the same job, still the same car but it's how you frame it. Because in life, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. And we're gonna take a moment, think about your life. Think about how many of you, maybe you wanted something in life, but you're experiencing the opposite. Maybe you were like, by this age, I wanted to have this amount of kids. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have my dream job. I wanted to start that business. For me, I always wanted to be in the NBA. That was my dream. Everybody's laughing because I'm not six feet tall. I, I get it. <laughs> but that was my dream. That's what, I, that's what I wanted. And so maybe you're experiencing that right now. Because you're experiencing the opposite where you, you wanted to be married by now, but you're in, you're in a really long season of singleness. Or maybe you wanted to be debt-free. Maybe you wanted to have all of your student loans paid off by the time you hit 30. Student loans are real. <laughs> We're going to go to Scripture because the Apostle Paul knows exactly how you're feeling in that moment. See, Paul had a heart for God, and he only wanted to serve God. And he felt called to Rome to preach the gospel because he knew if he could reach the people of Rome, that that would be the launching point to spread the gospel all over the world. If I could just get the people of Rome to get it, the gospel would spread. But instead of being in Rome preaching, Paul finds himself a prisoner, locked up, waiting for possible execution. See, Paul could have framed it in the negative side, and an example from the book that, that Craig Groeschel speaks about, uh, in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 12 through 13, um, in the NWV version, which stands for New Winers Version, um, which I have to say is not a real version. It is facetious just for, for this. He could have gone to the negative side and said something like this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. As a result of the hell I've been through, I'm quitting Rivers and never going back to church. But he didn't frame it in the negative side. He instead says in chapter, uh, 
in verse 12 of chapter 1 of Philippians. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So what most people would frame as a bad situation, Paul framed it as good. He had the opportunity to preach to the guards watching over him, that every day they would come and he would get to preach. Going on in verse 14, it says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Come on. And so today I want to share three tools to help us reframe our stories and reframe our relationships. The first tool is thanking God for what didn't happen. It's a lot easier for us to thank God for what did happen, right? But it's also important to thank him for what didn't happen. And so an example from my life, about five years or so, uh, I was interested um, in a girl. Uh, and this was about the time that I was slowly getting introduced um, to who Jesus was. So it was BC for me before Christ. And I played co-ed softball with this girl. And man, I thought she was cute. I was the most gorgeous human being I've ever seen in my life. So we go on a few dates and I fall hard. Like I'm a hopeless romantic. If you're a hopeless romantic in the place, holler, you know? Um, so I had flowers when I picked her up. Like I was doing the most. Like I was, I was all in. I was sold. Um, and so I'm really into this girl. And then we go to this coffee shop uh, one night and she reveals that she is not into me at all. <laughs> uh, if you've heard of the term friend zoned, that's, that's what happened. Uh, I didn't get like put in the friend zone. I got like kicked. I was like pushed away. Like I am not about this. Uh, so shortly after, uh, I actually ended up giving my life to Jesus. Uh, and the Lord began to do a work in my heart, in my life, and in my mind as I learned how to follow him. So fast forward to December 30th, of 2022, that same girl that let me down all those years ago said yes to marrying me. Uh, I think there's a, a photo behind. <laughs> Thank you. And I say all this to say that I continue to thank God for what didn't happen all those years ago, that he didn't allow our paths to intertwine back then because I was in a period of my life where I had so many things to work on that it would have ended so bad, so horribly. We have to begin thanking God for what didn't happen or what he didn't do. Another example that you probably can relate to is maybe you get in a car accident and you're frustrated and you're angry and upset. Whoever's fault it is, you start pointing fingers. What if instead of feeling all of those ways, you began to thank God that nobody was hurt? That you began to, to be grateful that everybody was okay, your family's okay, everybody in the other car is okay. Insurance is going to figure it out, right? Sometimes we need to thank God for what didn't happen. And developing that discipline helps us in reframing our past. 
Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, we're wise when we trust that the Lord is working, even, if, uh, even when we're not aware of it. You think of the song, Waymaker. Even when I don't see it, you're working. But we're also wise when we trust the way he's working, even when it isn't the way that we want it to be. Because it only makes sense. If God knows more than we do, which he does, then certainly there will be times when we ask for things that he knows are not good for us. In his goodness, then, he says no to those requests, i.e. dating Brittany five years ago. But here's the problem. We never think we're asking for something that isn't good for us. (laughs) We never do. We're like, God, I know best. I don't know what you're talking about. Back then, I knew that I needed to date Brittany, but God was gracious enough to say no. (laughs) So thank God for what he didn't do. Number two, practice pre-framing. Pre-framing. Pre-pre, I can't even say it. Pre-framing is deciding how we'll frame a situation before you engage in a situation. Our thoughts often shape what we experience. Going back to the analogy of of the workday, this meeting is going to be horrible. You guys ever gone to a meeting thing is going to be the worst? I have. This day is going to be the worst. Obviously, you're not going to have a good meeting or a good day if that's the, the mindset you're going into. The way that you frame it often changes how you perceive it. And so here's a couple of scriptures to declare over yourself when pre-framing. Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 1 John 4, 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Speak God's word as you pre-frame, as you pre-frame situations in your life. Thank God for what he didn't do. Practice pre-framing. And number three, look for God's goodness. Because you'll always find what you're looking for. I think about when I really wanted to buy a Toyota 4Runner. And I started looking online. And I was driving, I think I was driving a rental car. I don't remember what car I was driving. Um, And everywhere that we went, what would I see? Toyota 4Runners. Everywhere. And it's not that there was all of a sudden more 4Runners, like, driving around. Like, that didn't happen. It was because I was, my eyes were drawn to what I was looking for. That I always found what it was that I was looking for. Now, think about the difference between a vulture and a hummingbird. And if you don't know what they look like, they're behind me on the screen. (laughs) Vultures, they soar high in the sky. They're searching, they're lurking. And what does a vulture find? Dead stuff. 
dead things, roadkill. Vultures are actually known to cruise the skies for 30 to 50 miles in search of rotting food. They find what they're looking for. Now contrast the vulture to the little tiny hummingbird. What does a hummingbird find? Sweet things. Life-giving nectar. Now daily, each bird finds what it's looking for. And so, as we talk about reframing, as we talk about thanking God for what he didn't do, as we talk about practice pre-framing and looking for God's goodness, another way that we can do that is cognitive reframing, which is something I've also learned in therapy. It's a term that means, basically, it's empowering you to decide the meaning of an event, but I want to take it just one step higher. And let's let Jesus decide the meaning of a situation. Now, as I I look back at the time when I was pursuing Brittany all those times ago, man, in the moment, I thought it was the worst thing ever. I thought it was the worst thing that ever could have happened to me. But as I've reframed my thoughts on that season of life and saw the growing that I needed to do and the godly redirection that was happening in my life, it doesn't seem so bad at all because I've reframed it. Because if God is working all things for good, then it's time to reject those negative thoughts and reframe them. That... We shouldn't be passively receiving circumstances. We should be actively interpreting them. That we must not interpret the goodness of God through our circumstances, but we must interpret our circumstances through the goodness of God. That what has happened has actually served to advance the gospel because you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. So those three tools, thank God for what didn't happen. Practice pre-framing. And look for God's goodness. Romans 2.12 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you could stand with me as we, we go into closing as the worship team comes up. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.